same old trouble villains always knocking at the door pretty pictures on the page but nothing ever stays the same thank you vandello and welcome once again to graphically novel my name is josh wasta hey 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 Fallout Fury, and with me, uh, especially this time, uh, I'm going to introduce my game to kill for, uh, my Goldie, uh, the Baronessa, Jennifer Howland. Jennifer, thank you for being with us. Thank you. And uh, I'm happy to be remotely joining everyone. Um, and it's my distinct pleasure this time around to introduce our colleague, Bear. Thanks for being here, Bear. Thank you so much, and uh, it, I have the distinct pleasure of introducing our guest for the first time. Wow, it's a thing I do. I didn't get insulted. I didn't get, I mean, I got complimented because, of course, Jen's going to compliment me, but I get to introduce uh, a Mr. Matt Hirth, who has been with us for Ret Conversations, if you're familiar with that, uh, but this is his first time here on Graphically Novel. It's a pleasure to have you with us, Matt. Thanks, Bear. Uh, glad to talk about comics and movies this time instead of just comics. Yes, for anyone interested, if you like Matt, check out our House of M episode of our conversations where we explain House of M front to back. And if you don't like Matt, check out our House of M conversations where you get to meet Matt. <laughs> Jesus, come on. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Matt, we went through your background in comics, so I think we're just going to jump into the um, dirty water that is uh, Sin City and 300. Uh, we're going to talk some Frank Miller today. So much uh, good, yet so much bad. Yeah. Uh, I'm not even sure how much good is left anymore. We have dealt with Frank Miller twice before on this show. Uh, once, uh, he wrote the comic that we did uh, for Daredevil, uh, Born Again. Um, and he directed The Spirit, which is one of Bear's favorite movies. And it's in my top ten. Okay, well, that's still one of. Still, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, uh, but we watched and reread Thin City and 300. So, Matt, why don't we start with, um, have you read Thin City and 300 before? Uh, yes, I... I read Sin City when I was like 18 or 19 years old. So that's close to 25 years ago now, possibly more. Um, 300 was actually my first read, but I did reread. I read both of them again um, within the past month or so to get ready for this. So uh, they're all, they're both fresh in my mind. How about you, Jen? Um, sorry. <laughs> it took me a minute there. Um, this was the first time reading, um, obviously not the first time watching. I've actually seen Sin City several times. Um, 300 I've only seen once. Um, so uh, I, I would have to say that I really uh, like them. I, I think Frank Miller is one of my more favorite kind of noir-esque uh, authors and directors. Okay. Uh, Bear, how about you? Um, I actually saw this movie not long after it came out. I didn't see it in the theater, um, but basically as soon as it hit anything streaming, as soon as it hit, you know, like DVD and stuff like that, I was all over it. I was like, what is this movie? It's lots of fighting. It's lots of action. Of course, it was 15 years ago. I was much younger, much dumber, much, you know, more testosterone driven. Um, I hadn't read any of it except for uh, you know, little little spoiler for inside workings. Like we actually had Sin City on the list uh, for what was it, season two? Two, yeah, season two, and it got bumped for uh, better and more poignant stuff 
that was coming out at the time. <laughs> things that were were present in the zeitgeist. Yes, things that were things that were just more interesting in general, and things that we wanted to catch some more viewers with. Um, also, like the Sin City is another. Like both of these, I thought at the time they came out were great movies. As since then, my opinion has adjusted with time and age and retrospect. Um, I still think both movies are good for what they offer, but we'll, we'll get into why why they're not so good here in a bit. Yeah, um, so I had, uh, it, Sin City is one of the ones that was actually on my shelf um, and has been for years. Um, I haven't gone back and revisited it. Uh, 300 and Sin City both, I've watched them multiple times. Um, 300 this is the first time I read the comic. Um, no big shocker or surprise there. Um, obviously the movie stretched it out a bit more because it was only 100 pages, whereas Sin City was 200 pages and only one of three, well, four real stories that are in the Sin City movie. One of them was a short story. Um, Actually, the thing that I was surprised about, though, with the 300, having having seen the movie when it came out in, what was it, 06? Yeah. Um, watching that movie and going, wow, this is a great action movie, and oh my God, Gerard Butler, and oh my God, Lena, and all, like, you know, all this hype that was around the movie now actually reading the comic 15 years later i'm actually kind of surprised at how well it was translated nearly directly from the comic to the screen the text the imagery the the flat out color and feel of the comic straight to the movie if people ever have a question about that but why does this movie have this color and feel that it does it's it came straight from the comic that way uh interesting to also note oh yeah yeah Sorry, um, I just wanted to point out that Sin City was exactly the same. You know, Sin City, you know, Josh and I talked about it earlier today, but Sin City, they used the comic to storyboard the movie. Yeah. I mean, the scenes are almost identical um, in, in the movie to the comic. That, that was actually kind of a complaint of mine. I got to be honest. Um, Having read it so shortly before I watched it again, I was kind of astonished. They Was there a script for the Hard Goodbye sequence? Because the dialogue was, I would almost say to a word, except for a couple small scenes they cut, it was almost exactly the same word for word, no changes. Yeah, there were some lines omitted. Uh, there was only one one noticeable part that I noticed that they changed words um, because you're talking uh, about three hundred. You talking about Sin City? Sin City. Because okay. I the book has some very homophobic language. It does, uh, and it, some of it was kept in the movie. Uh, not all of it. But some of it was. Yes, that's that's true. I was I was grateful they decided not to keep the second iteration of him referring to his parole officer and yeah. in in negative terms and how she could have any man and why is she gay basically right. except yeah. not as nice. The comic yeah. had to do it twice. They cut the first, the second one. I was grateful for that. And I'm I'm really finding it interesting, uh, Jen, that you were talking about how um, how you really enjoyed it and, and everything because as as a white man that oh cis white man that's always trying to like improve, there was so much that I cringed at that just didn't make me feel good reading or watching. The the movie or the movie and the comic specifically for Sin City. There are parts in 300 where they talk about oh those Greek boy lovers, and I was like, no, that's that's your modern day homophobia translating onto the page because there was actually nothing wrong with that in Greece or Sparta. The the cultural aspects that happened at the time, yeah, that was not even 
Right. That, that wasn't even something that would have been made fun of. Right. So, but Jen, I, I, I do find it interesting and I, and, and, and I wanted to make sure to touch on that. Um, did you pick up on any of that or are we, are we more sensitive to it? Because we are, we all, I think to a person like this when we were younger and not as active or as good of advocates as we are now, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. Thoughts on that? Yeah, it does. Yeah, I mean, I think that, um, you know, I, I think that all of the points that you that you and Matt have, have made and, and Bear have been salient completely. And I think that you are, you should be feel cringy about them. They are cringy, absolutely. Um, and this is where I find it kind of difficult because there's, you know, I, I think that to Matt's point, I did appreciate that they didn't reiterate Marv's feelings or thoughts on his parole officer. Um, once he updated it, um, you know, I don't think that it lent that much to the story at all. Um, it's just, it's difficult because I think that too completely, it exists. Homophobia exists. And right. I don't think that the way that it, it dealt with in the movie glorified it or made it feel right. Does that make sense? I think it that does. it was like, this, this dude is a psychopath. He is, um, you know, there is some brain damage there. There's, you know, he's not right. And so his thoughts and opinions are probably not right as well. And we don't, we only need to hear as much of them as we need to hear. Right. Just to, just to know like exactly how gross this guy actually is. I mean, can, can I give another take on that really quick? And, and just, just yeah. to argue a tiny bit, I, this, Sin City is is was marketed was sold. It, it's basically a modern noir tale for when it came out. And in all of the the classic uh, Humphrey Bogart and everything else noir stories, you get the story of the the, the gorgeous quote unquote dame walking in, and you get the internal monologue of the guy talking about how gorgeous she is and how how stunning she is. Whatever this was, Frank Miller's take on that, and. Yes, Marv was damaged, and we're supposed to see that he's damaged. I I almost saw that more as an excuse for him to be able to put that kind of talk in, as opposed to making it not okay, and the reader should know that it's not okay. Because that wasn't... The people who were reading these books when they came out, and probably seeing this movie and loving it when it came out, didn't think in such a way of, oh, he's damaged, so it's not okay that he's saying that, and I know that. It's more... This guy's so dark and gritty and cool because I want to be dark and gritty and cool. And he says that, so that's cool. That's that's how I would think somebody would take it. You know, I, I kind of understand that take. I don't agree with it, but I understand that take. It's because, the Rorschach thing from Watchmen. Yeah, because is is yeah, exactly the same thing. Uh, you know, Rorschach sounds like the hero when you start off, and then you listen to him talk about, you know, how he badmouths liberals and just basically anybody, sex workers, anybody in general, because he's a conservative conservative okay well that's a take from that person it's kind of like the same thing with marv it's like marv at the time was just like i just don't understand and i i, I can agree with that to a point because when i was younger when like at the time this came out which I, I didn't read this when it came out but i can understand it at the time this came out i would go if you're so hot you could have any dude well if you're that hot you could also have any chick now i understand you know you can you can go for whatever you want obviously you're smoking hot you can have whatever you want why would she not want dudes because she doesn't want dudes and she doesn't have to have them. that's kind of the evolution that i went through i don't know if you understood that coming out of my mouth with my I, brain. I i think i did i i also think we're like i feel the same way on in that sense but i also think we're not the most 
typical uh, consumer of something like this. Um, that's that's entirely true because obviously these movies are made for. We're trying to get make money. We're trying to put butts in seats. I get right. you. Yeah, and I also think it, it's. I think if you take Marvin a vacuum, like just that story. You can you can go with that takeaway and 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 it's okay and it's fine, but if you kind of take the rest of the movie, like I don't want to say all of Frank Miller's work, but if you just look at the stories in the movie, we could talk about John Hardigan for a minute. And right. how old was Na- he? He was an old man in the first piece of his story. He was coming onto retirement. He was he was done. When he was saving Nancy as a child. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then we Already jump to the second 50s. half. Yeah. And then we jump to the second half, which is years later. He's gotten out of jail. He's been in for how many years? At least 10. And okay, so that puts him in his 60s at that point. Yep, Nancy's, exactly. And then Nancy, this 19-year-old that he rescued as a small child. Where does that go? Like it, He does try at one point to be like, are, are you sure you yeah. want to do this? I'm old enough to be your grandfather. Exactly. Yeah. Like that line is there. That is discussed. It's glossed over. But at least it's disgust. I agree. It's it is weird. Dis- it is disgust and it is disgust. Right. But <laughs> I mean, she, it's not that she's not consensual um, and he hasn't been actively grooming her. It's just, yeah, he probably should have been more hands off because it's obvious that she has hero worship for him. Yeah. Like I, at, at, at the end of it all, like the, just, just the way it all came together when I, when I looked at all of the stories in the movie put together, I just got a bunch of male power trips on this viewing. Like it was, I, I can see wanting to take them and, and look at them in that in that different light and be like, well, he put these nuances on it. But when I took it as a whole, the the nuances were there to justify these power trip fantasies, and it and it that just did not work for me in in the current way I look at things in this world. And I think, uh, so one of my notes is that for Sin City specifically, the movie is noir. The comic book is fuckboy masturbation in black and white. Oof. Yes, okay. <laughs> oh. I'm, okay, I can, yeah. I can, I'm with you. Uh, I'll go with that. I, I didn't think you were just going to fucking lay it on the table, like whip it out and lay it on the table like that. But yeah, I'll go but, with it. But here is why. When I was younger, up to probably the point that, you know, my, my mid-20s when this came out, uh, early 20s when this came out, um, I, and, and, and many, many men like me have the same thing. You have the daydream of the girl that you like, a situation comes up and you save the day. You know, it's just, and, and I've talked to many, many men, and all of them at one point or another have had the, the wow, if, a, if an armed gunman came in and I, like, jumped up and wrestled the gun away and maybe even took a shot in the shoulder and then the girl would walk like are you talking about every libertarian fantasy ever funny story we'll get to that in a second (laughs) you're talking about like the joe rogan podcast yes we're talking about yes And and, and it's it's just i thought that like oh man maybe i'm the only one that has these apparently most men do um but we grow out of them you know (laughs) well most of well, us should grow I'm out of that. Still a libertarian, or yeah. still listening to the Joe Rogan podcast. <laughs> yes, let's let's go ahead and have graphically novel take on Joe fucking Rogan. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, um, we, we we must silence his his white male voice. 
It's it's true. Uh, he says as millions of people listen to him every day. Yeah. Uh, but it's funny that you mentioned the libertarian thing because no, I, I will mention the libertarian thing all the time. It's not due, that funny. Due to uh, especially Sin City, there are have been interviews with Frank Miller where people have called his work conservative, and his response was and has been, "I am not conservative. I am a libertarian." <laughs> You know, I've never seen that or heard that, but called it. Yep. Uh, so he said, I'm not stupid. I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been graphically terrible. <laughs> Dan, are you actually like kind of proud of us at this point? Like we're five seasons in and we're we're not even like asking you anymore. We're just talking about how terrible we are as like cis white males and the shit that we have done because we're stupid. Like, how do you feel about that? Well, I I was at one point going to say, okay, bye. My work here is done. <laughs> <laughs> no, we love you. We need to keep you here. My planet needs me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's uh, I, the opposite of Invincibles. She's like, I'm done here. You have, you have grown and evolved. I can move on. So from here, from Sin City, let's move on to 300 because 300, and I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry to everyone that had to deal with us throughout the entirety of the Justice League episode, but 300 was directed by Zack Snyder. <laughs> All right, but hang on. Who I believe... Uh, has an edgelord grimdark altar to Frank Miller that he must pray at I nightly. He must. Now, <laughs> I, I get it. He actually went a little bit conservative with the movie compared to what Miller did with the comic. Truth. But I think as a person, as a director, if you start with 300 and then move to the goddamn black and white cut for the love of fuck. Anyways, um, the I think he's gotten worse as a person. Because in 300, there were women that had agency. It's true. And then we moved on to not. In, in, in wiped it out, in fact. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, uh, I think in City, a lot of the stuff in it was saved because while Frank Miller has uh, a directing credit, he did not direct the movie. Um, and in fact, Robert Rodriguez left the director's guild over his demands that Frank Miller, um, due to basically setting up the comic as his storyboard, he said, um, Frank Miller should get a co-directing credit. The guild told him no. He left the guild over that so that Frank Miller could have a co-directing credit. So Frank, when you see Frank Miller directing it, he did. Um, and I think Rodriguez, through his editing and his directing and his cin cinematography, um, softened some of those corners. Did you say softened? Softened. Softened? Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's like cool, quick? Yeah. You're pronouncing the H, you're pronouncing the T. Softened. Um, I so forgot he did Sin City, actually. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, looking at it, you can see you can see Rodriguez's fingerprints all over it. Oh, yeah. Except for Danny Trejo. Where was he? Yeah, this is true. Oh. Uh, but then you look at 300, which is, this is before Sucker Punch? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think he got to do Sucker Punch because of the movie he made off of 300. Oh yeah, no, it was 300, then Watchmen, then Sucker Punch. Did Sucker Punch have a comic? Because I want to talk about yeah. how I've grown as a person since I watched Sucker Punch. Uh, no. I shouldn't rewatch that, should I? Oh. No, uh, no one should watch that. Stop, it should be stricken from the record. I, I, I loved it when it came out. I'm just afraid of what would happen if I gave it another shot. 
Yeah, like don't do like I, I'm the same way. Like I, I kind of want to rewatch Sucker Punch, and I'm like, I remember you used to love this fucking movie. I watch like just thinking about the scenes. I'm just like, oh, there is so much baggage to unpack. Um, so I, I know, should just like Courtney and Cat and probably Tara and yeah. a bunch of other friends of ours will have my goddamn head if I even talk about like I've already said too much. Like they're they're gonna come for me in my sleep. Yeah. And so I least, should just listen to the soundtrack is what of, you're saying. Yeah, yes. At least one of them has a key to yes. my house. Okay. okay. Just, just the soundtrack. Okay. Don't, don't yeah. You're you're safe with the soundtrack. <laughs> I, I will love myself and stick with the soundtrack then. So uh yeah. Um bagging on Snyder, we should we should move on to the actual movie. But I mean that's I mean, low hanging fruit. Yeah, looking at three hundred though, I mean I do believe you're you're right, Bear, in that he was holding back a lot of what was in the comic because a lot of what's in the comic can be and is problematic. I mean there was but there was so much that was a direct translation. There was so much that was really good. And aside from the fact that Frank Miller literally had, like, people bitched when 300 came out about the fact that it was dudes in capes and loincloths, but if they would have actually read the goddamn comic, it was literally just dudes in capes, butt-ass naked with shields and spears. Yeah. And not even swords with a belt. Like, there was no belt that belt a sword on. Like, they, he, it, it's an upgrade from what the comic was, really. And he actually added, you know, Queen Gorgo having a moment where she saves herself from being sexual assaulted yeah like well we had that we had her protecting her son like she like of course you, you're not gonna watch you're not gonna walk you're not gonna walk lena you're not gonna walk cersei into a scene this is pre cersei yeah you're not gonna walk her into a scene and not let her run with it you're not gonna let her not have agency because she's just gonna own it so i think at this point it's a good idea to mention that bear and i right before this show decided to turn on 300 the sequel rise of an empire oh my god which is the Why? prequel midquel and sequel all in oh. One oh, movie God. to 300 and it was straight un- out of the fucking 80s we need to make another one just to make more money yeah it, it was unwatchable and because they think that they think that just because we made a sequel with the same name on it we're gonna make money yeah it was, uh, it was really really bad and what, all of the no, no. It they was... threw cast at it. They yeah. threw CGI at it. It was still worse. Yeah. Um, and uh, Snyder wrote it, but didn't direct it. Um, I mean, they had, yeah, Lena Headey was back. Uh, God, who else was in that? Uh, what's her name? Sarah did it from Penny Dreadful. Eva Green. Eva, Eva, sorry. My bad. Eva Green um, has a half-assed nude scene, super hot, but still a terrible scene. Um, she's cheap throughout the whole movie. Um, there's a ton of other actors. Like, yeah, hold on. Had a really high-end cast. Uh, Sullivan Stapleton is the main. Um, Rodrigo Santoro comes back as Xerxes. And you get like the backstory there. of Xerxes. Yeah. Um, and basically it's it's the fight with the Greeks instead of the Spartans, except at the end, like it mixes we, in the, the yeah. 300 fight, like the, the fight at the hot gates with the fight at the battle at Marathon, with like there's flashbacks, flash forwards, flash sideways, flash up, flash down, flash, flash boobs, flash like it there's just flashing going on. Yeah, yeah. And, All over the place. I mean, if you just want something action in the background and you don't really care about it and occasionally you might see a a hot actress's breasts yeah put that on i guess because wow yeah which 
we had like halfway through that movie and I was like, isn't isn't the podcast gonna be in like 45 minutes? Maybe we should shut this off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we were both like on our phones for 20 minutes with the movie. Before on. I said that. Yeah, yeah. We were talking about Stardew Valley of all things. Yeah, yeah. So I mean it's I think it's it's a good idea to talk about Frank Miller as a whole at this point because I, I think it's pretty as, as as a whole, like a H-O-L-E, yeah. like that we should kick him into and yell this is part of. <laughs> Uh, there are things from Frank Miller that have held up. Um, Daredevil: Born Again. I'm gonna I'm gonna use as my example. Uh, we read it for first season. We did Daredevil. Um, but Born Again is a great storyline. Um, still has some problematic bits, which we talk about if you go back to our Daredevil episode. But that was also like an '80s comic. Yes, which we all well, know I hate. Thin City was an early '90s comic, so you know. Um, and he's also done Dark Knight Returns which looking at it now also extremely problematic um he's the one that dubbed batman the goddamn batman um but there are things that we can enjoy he's done some good things right yeah there are things that we can enjoy in our youth that we can grow out of uh and, and I think this is one of them. Uh, I think he's important for comic book history. I don't necessarily think that he is needed any longer, uh, if that makes sense. How do, you, how do you feel about that that statement in regards to uh, the, the, the wizard, the grand wizard, Alan Moore? Alan Moore. Um, Alan Moore has actually said less problematic things than Frank Miller has. And in fact, Alan Moore called Frank Miller out for his homophobia and racism in really? his books. Yeah. Why haven't we talked about that? yet on this podcast um the guy who was like spanking a, a british women suffragette in, in uh an s&m club in, in, in an s&m extraordinary, yeah, yeah. extraordinary gentleman yeah i mean we even look at like warren ellis has had accusations of grooming now um there are certain artists that i will say what they have contributed you know outweighs their crimes they should still be held up to their crimes they should still be remembered for their crimes but um you know you you can't say that bill cosby's stand-up comedy was not hugely influential to stand-up comedy as a whole you can't say that frank miller was not influential to comic books as a whole but you can also say okay but we've moved on yeah i mean we're also going to talk about lovecraft we can talk about frank Herbert. Yeah, I, I think a lot of, especially the fanboys, will always have trouble moving on, specifically from Frank Miller, because with Dark Knight Returns, he kind of heralded comics as pop culture and not yeah. just things for little kids. Like, I remember when I was a kid, Dark Knight Returns was advertised in Rolling Stone as pre-order this this four-issue thing, and it hit the mainstream for a while. And and that was like the first time, other than cheesy movies, because there were not good comic book movies at that point, and kid stuff. And so people kind of hold Frank Miller up on an extra high pedestal, because he's the one that they look at as, well, they made it a thing that is okay to like for a while. Some kind of grandfather of like modern geek cinema yeah yeah jen you've been uh you've been quiet through this any thoughts on on artists and their legacies well uh, specifically i'd like to point out that uh you know frank miller and his opera is is of the time that it was written i mean the 80s were you know pretty close to the modern day pinnacle of toxic masculinity i mean it was it was you know <laughs> that's what it was at the time um you know in the 90s to a less degree but it was still there um and then in general um i think that it's it's really 
it's a good debate. And I think that it's really difficult to say that the product of a problematic artist should be entirely ignored. Uh, you know, I, I think that there are examples that could be made where you would say, yes, absolutely, we should probably ignore this artist and, and their product. Um, but, you know, part of me thinks that this is, it's history. And if we completely negate that product, we're not learning anything to move forward and be better. If you're always proud of the history that you've read, then you're probably not reading actual history. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I... I, I definitely agree with that. I think it, the, the problem only comes when you defend it in a modern stance. Like looking back, it's it's incredibly important and we should recognize that and respect it. But as, as long as we recognize the problematic nature now, that's fine. Like I'm I'm a fan of, of problematic favorites as long as you recognize that they don't stand up today for the perfect thing they were seen as back then. Right. Well, and it's real easy to point that out because... Wasn't it in the was it the late '90s or early 2000s where I can't remember which one it was? It was either Burger King or Hardee's. It was like we can do a commercial that is literally just a well-endowed woman Hardy. scantily clad with a sprinkler all over her, getting soaking wet and nomming on a fucking thick-ass burger, and no one will have a problem with it. That was like in the last 10 years, wasn't that? Yeah, they 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 brought like, it back a couple like, of times. Yeah, they brought it. Yes, but the first time they did it was like yeah. It was like the 90s and it's just like okay hypersexualized over fantasized selling to men like back, yeah, in the, that's... back in the spike tv era yeah right exactly well i mean and that's what all of this is i right down to the the suits that they had to wear for 300 so that everybody had the perfect abs it was easier to cgi them in into the movie like yeah i, I mean it's it's on that subject sin city came out under harvey weinstein's parents you know? so, oh i didn't didn't even think about that. Ah, yeah. Reminds me of a line from H.P. Lovecraft, which is another problematic author. Yeah, well, all you need to know about H.P. Lovecraft is what he named his cat. I'm not going to say on, on on air, but you can look it up. Uh, I'm doing that right now. H.P. Lovecraft was a Lovecraft classist and racist. Yeah. If you weren't a uh, at least middle class European white male, you were basically had genetic defects because of that. Because of your socioeconomic status. I, I have learned something today. I am a I you learned I know, what Lovecraft's cat's name was? I, I know I, I like Lovecraft. I'm a huge fan of the Cthulhu mythos and, and what he did with that. I knew about the racism, I knew about everything else. I did not know until just now did you know what he how named bad his cat. Did you yep. know how bad it was? I did. I did. And the classism is really so bad. And then you learn what his cat's name was, and then you go, oh, maybe it was a little worse than I thought. Yeah, I, I thought I knew how bad it was, and I I was today years old when I learned it was worse than even what I imagined. Yeah, I loves me some Lovecraft, but as soon as you Google what was H.P. Lovecraft Pat's name, you, you go, oh, oh, and we go straight back to what Jen said. You know, you have this, you have this author, you have the, the or you have this artist and the art that they produce, and can we separate the art from the artist? Yeah. Yeah. And again, H.P. Lovecraft, one of, like, one of the fathers of modern horror Stephen king calls him his inspiration well then let's 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 hang on let's just go sideways for a second uh if jen were actually here instead of on the road and listening to us in her car um she'd just be like you're 
to stay on topic, but I'm going to go sideways and go, <laughs> I'm going to go sideways and go. So we take all the things we just talked about with Lovecraft and then we go to the last like Cthulhu Mythos movie that came out at goddamn Nicolas Cage as the main actor, which was- Oh, cult- the, I, I didn't watch the color out of time yet or the color out of- The yeah. color out of space, which yeah, I didn't I- and if you're if you have followed Nicolas Cage as in his the decline of his career, he's done pretty much like uh conspicuously Christian movies, like revelations type stories, movies, and I then heard- you him doing the color out of space, which is way sideways. Nick, Nick Cage? Yeah, Nick Cage was the uh, color out of space, which just came up. Right, right. I'm talking Cage. about Christian movies, Nick Cage. Yeah. Nobody's Wonderland, Nick Cage. Are yeah. you sure? Yeah. Mandy's Nick Cage? Yeah. I'm not. Like this, uh, not this is the end. Uh, what was the other one where he was like, there's another one where he was like flying a plane or something like that, uh, end of the world, like revelations type stuff, Nick Cage. Oh, did oh he, he was in Left Behind. Left I, Behind. I was, was yeah. I was just getting to that. Yeah, yeah. I read those books. They're good I'm pictures. sorry. The Left Behind series that Nick Cage took on that had like one movie that didn't go anywhere, and then he moved on to Lovecraft, and sadly it did not get the viewership that I really wanted it to get because Lovecraft. But I I feel like once... Nick Cage follows the paycheck, not the not the belief. Yeah. Uh, you know what? And I'll go with that now because I've seen him do Lovecraft and I've seen him do Revelations. So I'm going to agree with you. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> so, so, do you think that, so do you think that the argument could be made after that foray into Lovecraft and what the goddamn fucking thing he named his goddamn cat? Um, uh, do you think that the... You know, I put out the argument saying that, you know, perhaps we should look at the product and not the artist and, you know, to say the artist should be removed. But do you think the argument could be made that if the artist is such a piece of crap that the product should be expunged? No. No, definitely not. Uh, okay, good. Yeah, I, I honestly think you have to look at them. It's 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 an apples and oranges. You know, do I do I think Josh is the Antichrist? Yes, but has he made you know has he brought enough people together to make a really good podcast? Yes. I I think you can like that did not get the reception that I wanted from anyone. No, because well, because we already know he's the Antichrist. There's nothing to argue with there. Um, I I think we can. I think if you're getting into comic history, you should absolutely read and know Frank Miller because of what he did sin city was groundbreaking for its time you should know it maybe watch the movie instead of read the comic because the comic because it does the exact same thing and is a tiny bit less problematic and much prettier um definitely don't forget him because i think in both cases you could probably watch the movie because sin city was very pretty it introduced you to a couple other storylines the 300 movie was very pretty it introduced you to like well it takes less time overall to read yeah and and i think they're both faithful enough to the material you you get the sense that you're that you need to get from his stuff. Um, I think well, once you know it, I think once you know it, you should not go back to it. But that's my yeah. own personal take. Yeah, you're fine. I'm gonna step on you for a second. I I, I absolutely think that with 300. I I don't think that. And I'm gonna I'm gonna jump ahead to would you keep reading question, which I don't even think we have with 300. Yeah, there's Xerxes. Oh, okay. Which is um, the loose what they loosely base the sequel off. Of. So the, uh, we didn't even talk about. 
uh, the actual titles of the graphic novels or anything, but uh, like there was only five issues in the graphic novel for 300. Yeah. And that completely covers the movie. And if you watch the movie, you really don't need to read the graphic novel. It's true. It was so close. Except for the art. I would say the art in, in 300 is fantastic, uh, which was done. But it was so, it was so, like the imagery in the movie was so close to the art in the graphic novel, I think you're probably good. Mostly, you really want to get that visual. Like, I'm not going to deny it. it was it was amazing. I can see why the movie was so good because the art in the graphic novel was uh, was stellar. Mostly due to the coloring that was done by Lynn Varney, who was was Frank Miller's wife at the time. I think they divorced in 2006, um, 2005. Uh, so yeah, she. she uh, I find it funny that Sin City was never colored. I understand the noir kind of aspect to that but he was married to a colorist uh you know and she did Ooh. do the color for 300 which then translates to the movie i think that there is still value in if you like sin city the movie checking out what they did i'm, I'm not saying necessarily buy it I'm saying most libraries will have it. So if you are interested in it, go and check out the source material um, from an artistic standpoint. Uh, same with 300. But story, you're absolutely right. In both of those cases, the story is there. Yeah, the story differences are so minimal in 300 between the graphic novel and the movie that, like, I was sitting there reading it. I was, I was kind of enjoying it, but I was flipping through the graphic novel so fast on 300 when I was sitting at breakfast this morning that I, like, literally breezed through five issues in the space of maybe two hours if that um it was just so close to the original now we're a couple things out of sequence compared to the movie yes we're a couple things you know like a little bit of dialogue difference yes because you're doing it for a movie audience as opposed to a comic book audience the gist was there but everything all of the beats were so close so close so there are six more issues of our six more collected of sin city and there is one more of 300 so matt will you continue reading either of these comics um i did it once i would not do it again all right jen uh i don't think so <laughs> It was it was fine. I appreciated being able to check it out uh, for the show, but um, I don't see myself going back to that material at all now. You know, absolutely not. As a media guy, they've done all they needed to do, and I don't even want to go back, honestly, to what they've done. I mean, after I've had a few beers, is it great to have Sin City on the background while I make Dungeons & Dragons characters or... Um, you know, as I work on stuff around the house or as I'm doing dishes, yeah, you know, whatever. It's it's a different movie to have on. But in the end, it's just like, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to put a lot of thought into this movie because it doesn't deserve a lot. Uh, I appreciate the history of it. I appreciate both Sin City and 300 for what they did to the medium of graphic novels. And I appreciate the films for bringing those aspects more front and center into the culture. I I feel like I'm going to step on you. I feel like a little bit of, hip of a hypocrite because I really love the spirit. Yeah. I do feel like a little bit of a hypocrite because of that. We've already done the spirit and I've talked about that, but. Well, and we talked about there, there are problematic aspects to the spirit. There are, there are tons, but not changed yeah. a lot. Yeah. We've gone from a comic that was in the fifties. That was with right. a strip comic in the fifties to a movie where literally, and like, had the, had the same conversation then it's like literally we've got a black guy in a nazi outfit right and i want to have a conversation with him about how he felt about that <laughs> well and yeah 
because it's it was it was very obviously parody it was i mean yeah oh samuel jackson so much samuel love. we have so much love for you uh you, you'll always be my director nick fury um, <laughs> but yeah i i appreciate like i said i appreciate the history do i appreciate your fucking colson <laughs> i appreciate where it where it led us um i don't necessarily agree with the path that it took to get us there right there also drives a volkswagon i, so. I do drive a beetle and <laughs> have, honestly let's talk about casual racism and casual sexism the place where i work at was just like oh you drive a beetle so you must be gay wow yeah. So it's gay to own a car now? Pretty much. Well, back in, back in my day, it was just if you listen to Coldplay. Uh, <laughs> uh, 40-year-old virgin joke. Uh, along. All right. One episode left. Yep. Uh, Matt, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I hope you've had a blast. I, uh, I have. I hope you'll have me back again sometime. I, I hope you enjoy all of the new memes I've opened you up to because Lovecraft Cat is a whole Oh, God. World. Yeah. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dive down that hole a little later here. <laughs> uh so uh please everyone tune in next time uh when we have our season five finale the finale the finale when we talk about warrior nun which uh didn't know it was a comic when it showed up on netflix weird sideways moment found it still not sure what it is <laughs> but we'll get into that uh in a couple of weeks so until then take it away vandello Don't wanna see